0: So we're going to talk about faith. Um, Jesus was very kind. He actually anticipated that faith would be a struggle. So he said, if you have the faith aside of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. And so if you're like me, faith goes up and down. It depends on uh, so many circumstances as to how much faith I have. And uh, we said, uh, the leaders said on the boat that they wanted to have faith. And we need faith. What is faith? Faith is something you have when you don't have something. Does it make sense? Just made it up. Faith is something you have when you don't have something. When you can't see your way out, when you can't see how it's going to happen, when you can't see what's going to happen, faith is what you have. And you either have a faith that says nothing ever happens. Or you have I'll whistle in the dark and hope it happens. Or you'll have a faith that says, I've got to work out how I can make this happen. Or you can have a faith that looks to God and says, Lord, what are you doing in this? How are you speaking to me here? Um, I believe that you are faithful. And sometimes you don't know why things happen and sometimes you don't know when things happen. So one of the big things about faith is, tr- is, is where is it focused? And then they said, because I'm taking one of the negatives that are not going to be in the boat, and uh, they said they didn't want to have pride in the boat. And what is pride? I was going to say, well, pride's got I in the middle. It's all about me. But then so does faith, so it doesn't kind of work. Uh, faith also has I in the middle. Um, but p- what is pride? Do you know what pride is? What is Pride. Ego, control, pardon, unteachable, selfish, raising ourselves up about others. Uh, next week we're going to talk about um, love. That's another oar. I'm taking these oars and using them. Love. And uh, the one that's getting thrown out the boat is a fence offense taking offense and I was looking at an article that said offense and a lot of these things actually that, that come in clusters that offense and pride are almost like twins because when you're offended you're so proud you don't it doesn't occur to you that you might have an issue pride is a very very deep one it's de- it's it's uh, yeah I don't want to get into a, a long negative but it's interesting the Pharisees were uh, Very proud. I find it uh, humbling reading about the Pharisees. I don't know about you, because it's it's so easy to go, oh, but man, they were so stupid. They were so stupid. Jesus was there, and they just didn't get it. And we've sung worship songs this morning about, um, you know, Jesus come, we want you to be present. And, And Jesus came, and he wanted to be present. They wanted the Messiah to be present. But I wonder what we would do. With that presence. Because I mean listen listen what these 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 Pharisees were deeply religious, they were deeply spiritual. And they were the a people of their time. And into their spirituality pride and tradition wove a net. In your faith and my faith, does pride weave In the way we do things, does pride weave? In how we see things, does pride weave? The issue with life is not that it doesn't weave, but the issue with life is being aware of it. Because God actually releases us bit by bit. He doesn't do it all at once. So these disciples... I mean, the the, the word just... I'm going to skim through. Uh, Jesus sort of hated hypocrisy. And he called... He he spoke to these religious leaders in an incredibly hurtful way. They could have said, we have actually given our lives to try and uh, continue the whole uh, spiritual ethos of, of Israel and how on earth are we going to recognize you as the Messiah? Everything in our tradition has got lost and it's got messed up and then you come and you say are the Messiah and you're a Galilean peasant. You've never been to school. You're not like us. I'm speaking like this because I think we all shrink wrap God all the time into our image, into our culture, into our way of thinking. So Jesus said to the people, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For do they, they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put it on other people's shoulders. They themselves are not willing to, to, move a, to, let a, to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels in their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father, for they have one father. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's kind of Pride. Are you proud? Do you think? Maybe ask the person next to you. Am I, am I, what do you think? Am I, you better not have that conversation right now. It might be. Are you proud? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, but you yourselves do not enter. And he goes through all these woes and he calls them whited sepulchres because on the outside, pride is very concerned about how people look, how we look, how we appear, what we know, what we think. And Jesus really, the greatest antidote to pride is what? Serving. The greatest antidote to pride would be listening and serving. Taking yourself out of the equation because pride tends to operate on appearances and thoughts and legalisms and when jesus came into the world he came into the world what was th- what happened to this peasant this man from galilee with an accent with no pedigree speaking to the pharisees at the end of the day it was how he spoke how he taught and then what he did that made the difference i thought i just read as uh, play you a clip that um, I love from um, battle it's 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 Bill Johnson and Eric Johnson just they're in an interview with Randy Clark and Randy Clark has a big global awakening ministry um, and he takes teams all over the world he started off. Um, going to a Baptist seminary when he was 18 or 19 and he had already been through quite a severe accident. And he tells the story. He's not going to tell it here. He's going to refer to it. That's why I'm giving you a bit of a background. And he um, he ended up going to this Baptist seminary, getting married very young and then getting divorced. And he was kicked out of the seminary because he'd got divorced and told he would never do any ministry. And he went on quite a journey and eventually... Uh, came into ministry and into the vineyard, and then he was the guy that God used to actually sort of start the revival outbreak in Toronto Airport. And I think he was just as surprised as everybody else. And and so the question they ask, they're going to ask him is just sort of, you know, tell us a bit about humility in your own life. So let's listen to it. So when you see someone like Randy Clark standing up and he's ministering and they have words of knowledge and everything, that's cool. But I find this is what I call the, the uh, jar of clay and, and the gold, the, the treasure. That humility never forgets the jar of clay. Um, humility never forgets, I was, once I was lost, now I'm found. Um, as he was saying, I never forgot where I came from. Pride actually thinks God's quite lucky to have me. I mean, if everyone was like me, our, our world would be a lot easier. Pride forgets where I came from. Or pride doesn't even, isn't even aware of how lost I am. There are many Christians who are lost. And we get lost in all kinds of areas. And so humility is something that I think is enormously attractive. And humility is found in people who will share themselves, open wide our hearts. I mean, what do you like to hear? Do you like to hear him speak like that? Or do you like him to just say, praise the Lord? Revealing nothing of himself. But the most encouraging thing is hearing people, as I spoke last week about Paul and Silas and others, they said we are just human but God in us is powerful. He gets the glory. And John Wimber translated that into everyone gets to play. In other words, everybody can lay hands on the sick. God can use anybody at any time. One of the things about false humility, do you know what false humility is? When you used your own humanness as an excuse. So I might call somebody randomly up and say, come up here, we're going to pray for you. And I might ask somebody over there to come and pray. And say, oh no, I don't do that, I'm just... And what God's trying to get all of us to believe and what we want to do with each other is, is raise up faith in each of us to say, of course God can use you. If God lives in you, He can flow through you. And sometimes in in, in in those instances, one of the, 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 I mean, what is Satan called? He's a called the he, he's called the accuser. And he takes all your clay jar stuff and he throws it back at you. And it's true, in for in some form. But it's not true because it's not your identity. So when Satan throws all your incompleteness and all your secrets, and he throws, and you're not worthy. You shouldn't stand up here, John. You shouldn't stand up here. You know what you're like. And I just say, to hell with you. Because Jesus lives in me. He's redeeming me. He's working in me. And I'm all he's got. And he's good enough to be able to work in the most humble of people. The most incomplete of people. So every single one here could be powerfully used by God. He doesn't need a brilliant container. He just needs a container. So we... I wonder how God wants to use you. So One of the things we do is we we sort of work out the checklist of what we can do in our own strength and then we say, that's my gift. And you go, no, it's a talent. Lord, use me any way you want. Any way you want. So when you're proud, you say, I'm going to go and pray about it which usually means no, not yet. I'm teasing you a little bit. Let's look at this uh, this instance, which is such a beautiful story of Jesus with these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. People had gathered around from all over the country of that region because they'd heard about this man who was doing remarkable things. The thing that was compelling about Jesus in Galilee at the time was that he not only spoke, but he... he he healed the sick, and people came to him from all walks of life, and he healed them all. He was trying to demonstrate that God is not like he's been portrayed. Many of us continually need healing from our image of a God who is unkind who is conditional. Um, speaking with somebody today, I don't think they're here, but i'm just I'm not going to divulge anything private other than to say. Um, they were th- Something really challenging in their life was, you know, God has given me this cross to bear. They'd heard it for years. And they said, God doesn't do that. He doesn't give you crosses to bear. Jesus took the cross. He does not give you crosses to bear. You who are evil, why would you give a child something negative? But it sounds spiritual. It's one of those precious moments theologies. It's nonsense. He says, I will be with you in the midst of your trouble. I will help you, but I didn't give it to you. Because, why is it important? If God makes you sick and God gives you crosses to bear and God causes you great angst and problems, how do you actually say, thank you that you love me? I don't know if you're going to caress me or smack me. And God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So part of, we're going to really focus on faith is where we focus. If we're going to place our faith in Jesus, and we're going to place our faith in God, we need to know that He is faithful. We need to know that He is kind. We need to know that He's not doing things to teach us lessons. He's using everything to teach us lessons, but not everything He uses is what He desires for us. It's really important that you have a solid understanding of God's unchanging character, because otherwise you're trying to love a God who's also hitting you. It's called abuse. And so it was hugely relieving to this person to say, oh, I needed to hear that. Now I can let this go. And it's a very difficult situation, a very painful situation, but now I can let it go. And when you let things go, you don't just let them go, you give them over to God. So these guys were gathered together in Luke chapter 5, for the f- this very well-known teaching, the very well-known incident, which I think is a great incident of expressing faith, where this uh, paralytic is being brought to Jesus, and uh, the people are all gathered in there because they've come to hear him teach. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, which is interesting because you sort of, well, isn't the power of the Lord always with Jesus to heal the sick? And how is the power of the Lord present to heal the sick when he's surrounded by all these cynics who are waiting actually for him to trip up? And when he went to Nazareth, his home they said, well, there was no, he wasn't able to do anything there because there was no faith. But he only needed a mustard seed and maybe that mustard seed was on its way. Because some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And we don't know whether the paralyzed man had initiated this little trip or whether the four friends had or one of the friends had and got some other friends and said, let's carry Joe to this guy. We heard that he heals people. Joe might have said, it's really embarrassing. They said, well, you can't move, so you're our prisoner, so we're taking you anyway. I don't know. Joe could have said, look, if, if, God, if, if that man's God, uh, he can knock on my door and uh, he can come and heal me. So, God, I pray for, for you to bring Jesus to my front door and, and, and so I can be healed. Sometimes we pray like that. Lots of times we pray like that. Why? I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to get up and do something. But faith looks like something. So does love. So these four friends carry their friend to the house where Jesus is. And I'm being obviously joking when I'm saying these things. And they get to the house and it's just packed, there's no way through the crowd of teachers and cynics. It would have been very easy to say it's not our day. It would have been very easy to say, "Uh, let's come back some other time. If it was God's purpose for this to happen, the people would have melted and Jesus would have been there. This story is a great story about persistence. It's a great story about we're going for it. We're not going to be put off. We're going to push through the circumstances that get in the way. And I bet you there there are things in our lives right now, you know, individually and where where God is actually saying, push through. Push through. Don't be put off by the obstacles. Don't be put off by what's not happening. Push through. So they these four and the five well the five. What do we do? Well, you go up the steps because every, every, uh, every house uh, in, in those days had steps going up onto the roof with a ledge around it and sort of uh, reeds and very easily removable material as, as the roof. So, let's go in through the roof. Consider these are probably peasants and all the people gathered there are probably the more elite of the company of the villagers around. They probably didn't like them very much because they were proud people. The religious leaders were not um, people you wanted to hang out with. They were usually telling you what to do or what not to do. It's like some Christians. You ever come across people who are always telling you what to do, what not to do? Don't smoke, don't drink, don't breathe, don't laugh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Do you speak in tongues? Don't you speak in tongues? Do you heal the sick? Don't you heal the sick? I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Does it make you come alive in the presence of legalism and know it all? And oh, it's, it's tedious. Because at the end of the day, the reason people began to respond to Jesus was that beyond His teaching, He loved them. And most of the time, God is calling us to be people who love other people, and we will get to the theological conversation. You're more likely to have ears to hear what you believe if you actually love people where they are. But it takes less love to love people. It takes less love to tell people what they should do than it does to just love them where they are. That's why we have this this mission van going out into to downtown Port Alberni every every week, and we have people arguing about should you be giving them safe safe kits for drug for drugs? Should you be doing this? Should you be doing that? You can argue that all you like, all you like all day long. The bottom line is you're trying to actually meet somebody somewhere in their desperation, keep them alive and begin to cause them to think maybe somebody loves me even if i give you a clean needle and because i give you a clean needle doesn't mean i think what you're doing is good it's complicated and one thing we know about jesus he always caught people by surprise cuz he didn't have a formula So our faith in Jesus is full of surprises. So these guys let, they open up the roof and they let their friend down. And it's probably not really that high. In fact, apparently they used to do this when people were dead. They would have, you know, people would lie in the the room and then they'd hoist the coffin up through the roof and off they would go. But they persisted, they persisted. And Jesus tells us here when he saw their faith, when they, could not, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I mean, if you were teaching people, I know I would probably be irritated. i go, what are you doing? I'm not sure I'd be so gracious. I'd like to think on a good day I was, but you know, I don't know. I'd probably be going. What's going on? Would you stop interrupting? We've got to get through this module before lunch. What's the module on? The power of God to heal. We're going to teach you about that. You're going to do it. We don't do it. We talk about it. Why? Because we don't know how to do it. And what happens if it doesn't happen? So we'll teach you about it, and then we'll have another one this afternoon about how to deal with disappointment, and nobody's healed. And when are you going to have the one on healing? That's, we don't do that. We skirt around it. We conclude that God doesn't want to do things in our lives when he is saying, well, if you got up and you actually broke through a roof and you had some friends help you, you might see some things change. I think we live in way too passive a culture way too politically correct, way too private. I think that's why we end up stuck so many times. Very opinionated and proud. And so it took enormous courage in my opinion that these guys in their foolishness would actually rip open this uh, rip open this roof and let their friend down. And Jesus said when he saw their faith, and I think it seems to be saying that when he saw the faith of the friends, what happens if our faith can help our friend? What happens if there there are times where we don't have enough faith, and other people share their faith for us? Now I've talked about um, this so-called retirement and and. I don't know where it's going after that. And I appreciate some people who go, you know, God's going to still do stuff with you. And there's a sense of other people have more faith than I do as to what might happen on the other side of October. And I think that's true for all of us at different seasons where we need friends. We need people to encourage us. We need people to believe for us. I often say to people, you 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 know, God believes in you more than you believe in Him. So it doesn't need a lot of prayer to actually say, Father, will you bring healing to this person? Will you bring help to this person? And this whole story about faith this morning is really about this whole call to persist together. I think one of the things we also really imprisoned by is individualism. We're imprisoned by keeping everything to ourselves until it all falls apart and then we eventually share something. As opposed to sharing along the road so that actually you give your friends I mean ask yourself this are you somebody who ever asks for help or are you just somebody who loves to give help because it's really selfish if you're always if it, you're always giving help but you never give anybody the, 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 the blessing of being able to help you it's selfish it's unkind it's not good If we never actually show anybody our weakness and say, can you help me, why on earth should anybody, you know know what I'm saying? I mean, if I ask you, do you like helping people? Some of you, of course, don't, but I mean, just let's, do you like helping people? Do you like being able to reach out to somebody? Most of us would say, yes, we do. There's a great joy in being able to help each other. There's a great joy in being able to be supportive. So these guys took their friend, lowered it down, and Jesus said, uh, Friend, your sin are for- your sins are forgiven. He hadn't said this before. Now why did he say it? Because the guy had some deep sin that he had committed and he wasn't going to embarrass him in front of everybody. So he just said, s- your sins are forgiven. Your, your, your sickness and your, 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 paral- your paralytic condition is related to something related to sin in your life which sometimes can be and uh, that's what's actually inhibiting this. I don't know. At least he didn't say, you've got this problem with this and this is what needs to be forgiven and, and, and totally embarrasses this guy. We don't know what it was. On the other hand, he might not have been saying anything to this man that was very pointed because the Pharisees and Sadducees believed that all sickness came from sin. And so he starts by saying, your sin is forgiven, which immediately causes the Pharisees and the Sadducees to start going, who does he think he is forgiving sins? Only God can forgive sins, which is what happened in their discussion after this. Because he said to them, what did he say? He said, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Do you ever think to yourself? What are you thinking to yourself right now? God reads our thoughts. Jesus knew what they were thinking. God knows what you're thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. All the time. You can't fool him. How does that feel? that a good thing? He knows every thought and he still says, I love you. You're just very funny the way you pretend that I don't know. You're very funny the way you carry on because I know all things. I know your heart. I know your thoughts. I love you. But we've got some work to do. He says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? interesting he doesn't say, why are you thinking these things in your mind? Because most thoughts have roots in hearts. The heart is like the gravy, it flavors the thought. You can have one thought that's got lots of different flavors and textures that comes out of the emotions and the, of the heart. And he's really saying, every thought that, that you have needs to be marinated in my love. Then he says, Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says, Your sins are forgiven. And then he could have left it there, but he's really teaching them as well as ministering to this man. And then he says, in the you know, Not in the name of Jesus, he says, Get up and walk. And the guy gets up straight away, pick up your mat and go home. How amazing! Leading to friends' felt high fives, yo Jesus. And he went. They went out there, testifying to what God had done in Jesus. This man, who they probably many of them knew, was paralyzed, and now he walks. I've got so many questions for Jesus. We were setting up for a evening teaching. Uh, it was a crusade in India, in South India. And we had looked at the venue, which was about maybe a little bigger than this. It was just basically in the middle of a village. It was just ground, and it, that was it. And they were going to put a fence around it and put a, a stage up. <coughs> and we were we were looking at this this area, and then this person comes up, and through a translator, they said, uh, "Will you come and will you come and see my grandmother?" And I remember thinking, this must have been a Jesus film. And I followed, I mean, it's totally inadequate. I mean, talk about humility was easy. It's like help. And we go around into the village, maybe one block, and, and next to this little shabby grass house is this woman lying on a cot. And she's been lying there. She must have been in her late, maybe 70s and she shows me a Bible under the pillow but she's obviously dying and I go up and I lay hands on her and I pray for her and I leave her in the same way as far as I know that I went there with and I I I remember leaving saying this feels so empty powerless why why God can't she just rise up out of that bed and walk and I don't know the answer I know the obedience is praying for her I mean for all I know she could have you know, got better in two weeks' time, or uh, and it could have been part of the part of the journey. I don't know. But there are lots of there's lots of mystery in this whole thing of faith. We believed and we believed, and then they died. We believed and believed, and it didn't work. And at those points, we have to believe in the faithfulness of God anyway. Because, I don't know what else you do. How much work do you do with faith? I think for many of us, we feel like we have to earn God's ear and earn God's faithfulness, so we we, we wrestle with it, whereas faith is just actually placing our circumstances in His hand. I actually think sometimes we might pray too much. Like, uh, how many times do you have to ask for the same thing? Because we're so performance-driven, That, well, I'm showing God that I'm really sincere. What happens if He says, I heard you the first time? What happens if I ask once or twice and then I just thank Him that He's holding it? Thank you, Lord, that you're working. Thank you that you are uh, in this. There's mystery. But it's like, it's like learning how to lean into and trust a father who has everything in his hands. As Carol said earlier, he's bigger. And to also give him your allegiance when you don't understand. I've often said very simply that if I was sitting here with Jesus and we were talking about all the things I want to talk to him about, I would end up in tears and I'm sure he would too. But I would get it and I would say, okay. Okay. I understand now. But until that time, I've got to trust his character to believe for the things that I don't yet see and to trust him with the things I don't yet see. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when I get into the fire, either we burn or he saves us, either way we will not bow to Caesar. So what's it like to, in faith, embrace your life right now? And just say, Father, thank you for my life. Thank you for where I am. Thank you that nothing in the past will be wasted. Thank you that you are redeeming me, you're working in me, and you're going to work through me, and you're going to work around me. All I want to be is part of that. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be somebody who participates in my life. And I don't want to be proud. I want to be humble. I want to serve you. I want to be one who carries people and breaks open rooftops and lets them down and sees them walk. But if I'm going to carry people and let them down and see them walk, I'm going to probably have to stop doing the gardening project I filled my life with and actually give some time to my friend so he can actually get that opportunity. In other words, this sacrificial living, sacrificial loving that takes place in order for some prayers to be answered. faith is all about coming to Jesus alone and with others and sometimes carried by others because i can't believe enough you've heard lots of people maybe you'd t- it's easier to believe for other people than it is for myself it's easier to believe healing it's easier to believe so we need one another to actually believe and to live by faith and we said that in this in this uh, Church, we want to be a people of faith. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven. What does he see when he looks at us? Just take the next step. Let's stand. Let's ask him to raise faith up in us. And raising faith up in us means raising up our relationship with Jesus. And maybe there's some circumstances in our lives right now where we've prayed and he's saying, get some friends together and let's go and tear the roof open. Father, I just pray that uh, you meet us right where we are right now. Maybe there's an area that you're stuck in. Maybe there's an area where you're paralyzed. You don't know how things will ever change. And you've been praying and nothing's happening and maybe God says, I want you to share it with a friend or two. Maybe together you can get further than on your own. Lord, we bring to you our tendency towards pride and we repent of that, whatever that means. We want to be a people who are humble. We want to be a people who can speak about I know where I've come from. I know who I am. I know where I'm still weak. But I also know that you have me in the palm of your hand. And I want to share my whole story with you, not just the good parts. I want to share with you where I've struggled. I want to share with you where I'm still, tr- still struggling. Thank you, Father, that we're not qualified by how well we've done. We're qualified by how much Jesus' blood has poured through our lives and has forgiven our sin. It is by grace that we are saved. Thank you for the grace that you've poured out in our lives. We pray for humility to be a hallmark of this church. Humility to be a hallmark of each person here. A people who prefer one another. A people who carry one another. A people who break through roofs for one another. A people who who stand in faith together so the one who doesn't have faith suddenly sees breakthrough for themselves in ways they didn't ever imagine. We pray for a, a spirit of unselfishness, Lord, that we would care about others and put ourselves out for them because you have put yourself out for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of people around us where we struggle and strive and don't believe we have enough faith I pray that you lift the burden of that off us that Jesus we would just know that you are faithful so let's bring to him anything that is is causing us to be paralyzed causing us to be afraid causing us to be stuck in any way and just Father we pray for one another for breakthroughs we speak over one another that you're not a God who gives suffering. You're not a God who gives paralysis to people. You're not a God who gives us crosses to bear. You're a God who has come as a saviour. You're a God who has come as a friend. So come Holy Spirit. Let the friendship and the life of Jesus warm our hearts. And one of the best ways to do that is just to say, to hear God saying to you right now, I like you. I love you. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we just need to reconnect. Holy Spirit, just touch each life here right now with your presence, with your love, with your healing, with your peace and your hope give us tender hearts and let faith rise up that you who have begun a good work in us will continue to do so. So as that